You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Real Presence Live. We're grateful to have you with us this morning. Did you know that you can listen to Real Presence Live and any of these daily programs you hear on RPR via our app? Simply go to the App Store on your phone and search for Real Presence Radio. Once downloaded, you can listen to programming anywhere you're at at any time. So if you don't have the app yet, be sure to go to the App Store and download it as you listen to our next interview. And in studio this morning, we do have uh, Jonathan Spade and Tom O'Keefe. They are members of the leadership team the Made for Greatness Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Fargo. If you've never heard from, uh, about that, Made for Greatness Men's Ministry, that's okay, because we're going to talk a little bit about it this morning. So good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, good morning, Brandon. How are you today? Very well. Good, good. So let's just dive into that. Maybe, Jonathan, we'll start with you. Made for Greatness Men's Ministry, what is it? That's a great question. Thank you. Uh, Made for Greatness is a ministry of the Diocese of Fargo, which seeks to fulfill the Great Commission by discipling men forming them in their identity as sons of God and equipping them to become missionary disciples. And in addition to our primary mission of discipleship, we also host conferences. Many of you might have attended the men's conference um, last year. And uh, we also have uh, different retreats and things like that. And we hope to, in the future, uh, maybe even uh, mentor parishes. But that's a, that's a work in progress. It's a dream we have right now. But <laughs> right now we're, we're focused on the work of discipling men and uh, men's conferences. So... Yeah. I want to go back to identity for a moment here, Tom. What is identity and, and why is it important for us as men to know our identity? Well, I think the culture today uh, defines a man in a particular way, and we know that uh, Jesus uh, defines us in a different way. And, and many of us struggle uh, believing that we are loved by God, that we are worthy of that love, and we are truly that uh, that son whom, with whom he is well pleased. And, and that's a, a, a big hurdle for us to get over as we work through uh, discipleship. You have to believe that first before you can start following uh, in, in the footsteps of Christ. So what happens, Jonathan, when we come to know our identity as beloved sons? How can we then go forward? Yeah. Well, kind of going with uh, what Tom was saying, I think that we have two visions of identity in our, in our culture. Uh, we have, of course, the Christian understanding of identity, and then we've got the secular worldview uh, of what it means to be a man. And so many of us grow up with watching that sort of lone wolf um, hero, uh, either, you know, he's the, the cowboy, he's the soldier, um, whoever he is, he's, he's that guy who is just kind of that, that rugged, individualistic, um, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and solve all of the, the world's problems. And, and it's kind of like a it's like a self-made identity, you know? Uh, that's kind of the, the, the secular worldview's mindset is that you forge your identity. Who I am is who I, you know, want to, want to make myself to be. And so uh, from the Christian worldview, though, your identity is something that's received. You know, we are created in the image and likeness of God. And so our identity fundamentally is something that I receive. Um, it's not something that I forge, something that I create. Um, it's a it's a gift that's given by the Father. And so when someone in, and that and we have to strip ourselves of that secular worldview of you know this individualistic you know rugged pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of mentality, uh, and we have to learn what it means to receive. And that can be really hard for us as men, uh, but it's actually a really freeing thing. Uh, and I know in my own experience, um, this having you know 
trying to forge my own identity was something that created a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of comparison of, am I, um, Am I measuring up? Am I man enough? You know, uh, and when I learned to encounter, when I encountered the Father uh, and my identity as a beloved Son, and that my worth was not in what I do or what do I what I achieve, uh, but that it was simply in who the Father says I am, which is loved and, and chosen, and uh, and that I have what it takes um, to be great because of His grace. Uh, it's a, an incredibly freeing experience, you know. It, um, so, that, I mean, that's been my experience. I think it's an, it's an experience of freedom. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting. You know, you talked about the stress and the anxiety and, and the, am I man enough, right? And, and there's different ways to, to work through that. We could, you know, give in to addictions, right? And struggle with pornography. We could struggle with alcohol. We could struggle with a number of those things in trying to, you know, work through, am I good enough? And, and a lot of times with those addictions, with those things comes, comes the lie, right? You're not good enough. You're, you're not man enough. You, you're nothing, right? But, but I think what you're saying when, when we talk about identity and we talk about um, knowing our beloved son is that we recognize that we were made for greatness, right? We're beloved sons of, of a king. Maybe you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think that every one of us uh, being created in the image and likeness of God, um, we have been created with uh, just incredible uh, potential, if you will. Um, it's amazing as I think about the Lord's plan of salvation. He, of course, won for us salvation on the cross um, through his passion and, and his resurrection, but he involves us in that process. He involves us in his missionary activity. And so in our baptism, where we, we receive that, uh, that identity, that divine filiation, uh, and we become beloved sons of the Father, we are baptized into Christ's ministry. Uh, we are baptized, we are given uh, the threefold munera, uh, which is priest, prophet, and king. And so we get to participate in that ministry of Christ. And what it means to be a king, uh, it, it means to bring order. Kings are ones who provide, you know, the law uh, and the order uh, for, for a society. And so as kings, we provide order in whatever fields that we've been entrusted to. Each one of us as men have been entrusted with a certain field. It might be the field of our family lives, uh, the field of our work, uh, or our personal apostolate. And in each one of these arenas, if you will, we act as that priest, prophet, and king. And so as a king... Um, as a son of the king, but baptized into that kingship and sharing that kingship with him, I have a duty, I have a task uh, to, to order my life and to order um, that, uh, yeah, that field, that arena uh, towards, towards God, you know? And I think that's what greatness is. Okay. Go ahead, Because I, I would like to say that it doesn't mean that we're not that courageous figure or that, or that heroic figure. Because uh, we are, and leading our families, and, and, and swimming upstream against the secular current. But we're doing so out of, out of a foundation of, of our faith, uh, and sometimes even, even of, our, of our weakness. Uh, so sometimes it even takes a more courageous figure, uh, uh, a great man, uh, to, to lead our families and, and our own selves uh, d during this time. So it, it makes, we still achieve that goal of being that person we want to be, but, but through but through the Lord. And I think it's encouraging too, to know that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes on this journey, right? When, when Jesus called his, his apostles, um, you know, part, I, I would guess that the, 
the, the part of it was uh, they had no idea what he was calling them to. He was just like, follow me. And they're like, okay, we're going to go. But they, they weren't perfect. They, they made mistakes. They had questions. They didn't understand. But what they did do was continue to follow. And they continued to watch the teacher. They continued to live experiences with Jesus in all of this. And, and I think that's maybe where we get at with discipleship, right, Jonathan? You know, this idea that we just, we continue down the path. We take one step forward. If we fall down, we get back up. You know, it's, it's about the journey. It's not, it's, it's about the marathon, right? It's not about the sprint. Yeah. And one thing that I'm, that I'll add to that, that I'm thinking about right now is how uh, Jesus loves to give us um, tasks that are impossible to do. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, um, 18 through 20, right before his, he ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples to go make disciples of all nations. This is a fundamentally impossible task to accomplish. But the, the important part of this passage is what he says right at the end, where he says, and I will be with you until the end of the age. Right? And it makes me think of Philippians 4, um, 16, 14, I can't remember, right in there. Um, it's a verse that I, rem- that I memorized as a kid, but I've since forgotten the reference. But he says, I can do all things through Christ who, str- who strengthens me, right? And that's, the, and that's just the beautiful thing um, that I wanted to kind of yeah, connect between that, that idea of discipleship and what Tom was saying. Is that, at, yeah, we are called to be courageous leaders, um, and that, re, that does require that kind of rugged manliness at times. Uh, but oftentimes, it comes from that uh, acceptance uh, of your poverty, of your inability to actually do the task that you have been given to, given to do, and your extreme dependence upon the Father um, to accomplish that within you. And that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is ultimately... Um, Discipleship is ultimately, uh, we're getting a phone call here in the office. Someone doesn't like what I'm saying. So they're, they're calling me to tell me that I'm crazy. Um, discipleship is ultimately, it's a, it's a, it's a journey of imitation. Uh, and so in the early days of, of Jewish um, uh, rabbi and disciple relationship, the, the rabbi would select men um, to follow him. And there was an old phrase uh, that they would use that you are to be covered in the dust of your rabbi, right? So you're following your rabbi so closely that you're covered in his dust. Uh, and this is what it means, you know, to be a disciple of Jesus is to follow Jesus so closely that we're being transformed by him. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get it perfect, you know, because the whole, the, the reality is that we're, we're that we're not, uh, and that we're called to an impossible task. And that's why we need grace. That's why we need the Lord. Uh, and so it, this, this process of accepting the greatness that we're called to, um, and being that king, that priest, that prophet, um, that disciple of Jesus is ultimately uh, a journey of accepting one's own limitedness, one's creatureliness, one's poverty, and one's complete dependency upon the Lord uh, so that he can live within us. And, and as we do that, then we're going to discover what, what real greatness is. If you're just tuning in this morning, we're visiting with Jonathan Spade and Tom O'Keefe. They're uh, part of the leadership team of the Made for Greatness Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Fargo. And we're talking a little bit about what this ministry is, what's behind it. And we've talked about identity, and now we're kind of transitioning into into discipleship. And so, you know, maybe we could start with uh, or continue the discussion on, on like maybe just like a basic definition of what is discipleship. When we say discipleship, what is it? Yeah. The way that I would define discipleship uh, is by turning to scripture. And I would go to 1 Corinthians 11.1. And in 1 Corinthians 11.1, St. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
And so this, it, it goes back, if, if I had to pick one word to define discipleship, it would be imitation. And that's why I was, what I was bringing up with the rabbis, uh, the disciples of the rabbi, you know, to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. Uh, and that as a disciple of a rabbi, you would want to actually learn to, to walk and to talk and to do all the, the things that the rabbi did the way that the rabbi did it. Uh, and so Jesus in the Jewish mindset, you know, he was, he was a rabbi. And when he was inviting the disciples to follow him, come follow me, they understood that as an invitation to follow uh, a rabbi. And those three years, um, that school of discipleship that they were in uh, was ultimately a school of imitation where they were learning to look more like Jesus. Uh, and so that, you know, and St. Paul says in Galatians, uh, he says that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that's ultimately the call of the Christian is to become conformed um, to Jesus Christ, to our Savior. And that conformity to Christ only comes um, through imitation, learning to, um, to, to look like Jesus. I, th I think of a, uh, <laughs> a story. I didn't notice this, my, my, but my wife did. So I was working on my house. I'm building the house right now. I was working on the house and uh, I was measuring something up or something like that. And I kind of, I had my tool belt on and I kind of just stood back with my hands on my hips and was kind of looking things over. And my nephew in there, who was probably about three or four at the time, was also standing nearby and was wearing a tool belt. And he saw me kind of stand with my hands on my hips and then uh, kind of survey things. And he did that exact thing. And I didn't notice it, but but she did. And, and she pointed out just the power of a man, right? And, and, and not in a worldly sense, but just the goodness of a man and how that is very attractive. Tom, um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the attractiveness of a man on fire for Christ. Okay. Well, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the four habits of the discipleship and, you know, uh, Jonathan really talked about the, the foundation of following the apostles' teachings, but we, then we get into fellowship. And, and, and that's where, where this can come into play, that, you know, when, when you surround yourself with, with good men, or the, as you call it, the, the attractiveness of a man, you, you see that individual that is, uh, is virtuous and is following the Lord, and, and you find your, yourself drawn to that person because they have something you don't have. Uh, you you want what they have. You want that, that light in their life. You, you want that fire. You want that... Um, that ability to not be afraid to say, uh, I, I love Jesus and I, I'm going to do things differently. And let's talk about the aspect of, of fatherhood too, Jonathan, because, uh, you know, I, I think of that and I think of how it was my nephew, right? But it could have just as easily been, been my son. And in a way, I was still fathering in that moment. And so, Talk about the importance of, of the role of a father um, and, and how that relates to, you know, the disciples and their imitation of Jesus. Yeah. Well, the role of, of fatherhood is essential. And as the scriptures say, all fatherhood is a participation in the fatherhood of God. And so God, the father, is sort of, you know, in, the, in our understanding of the Trinity, he's sort of the, you know, he's the originator, right? He's the one, he's the creator uh, who the father, who the son proceeds from, right? Um, and then the, the, the Holy Spirit kind of spirates from the love of the Father and the Son. But with that, in a certain sense, that Father is the, he's the creator. He's the uh, originator of the Trinity. Um, and so all of our fatherhood is a participation in his fatherhood. And, there's a, and so fatherhood is essential. Uh, it's foundational. 
Um, and I think the, the crisis of manhood that we are experiencing in our culture today is ultimately uh, a crisis of fatherhood. Uh, so many of us have grown up in broken homes um, with fathers who were not present, um, either because you know they uh, had left um, or because they were involved in their work or other things. And uh, as, as children, we felt you know kind of brushed aside, you know. And this is uh, this happens all too often. I see it, you know. I've worked the last eight years as a missionary on college campuses, and I've seen it uh, over and over again in the students who I work with and who I mentor. There's a, a real lack of fatherhood uh, in. In their lives, and we're all we're you know we're as humans we uh, learn by imitation, you know, which is why I think that the idea of discipleship being one of imitation is so uh, so crucial and so human uh, is because we're just naturally imitators, you know, like your nephew imitating you, my kids imitate me, right? And so, um, growing up, we're looking for someone to imitate. And without that good role mod- model of a father, we're going to find, we're going to imitate someone else, you know? Uh, and we're, and there's, the studies can show all the different, you know, negative side effects of the lack of father. And I don't have those uh, uh, details with me um, right now, but I mean, you know, without the father engaged in his faith and engaged in his family life, the, the reality of that child learning to follow um, Jesus is, is, Less than I would say ten percent. You might know the, the stats better than me, but it's pretty rare, you know, um, and easy, much easier to fall away in that regard. So the role of the father, I think, is absolutely essential um, to be present uh, to, and not just yeah to be there, but to be present. You know, um, my kids, the the phones are such a dangerous thing. You know, when when I come home from work, my my kids want me to be present. They want their my eyes on them, and if I'm distracted and tempted to take my eyes away to look at my phone or to to, to do you know to keep working and checking my email etc they they see that right uh, and they start whining and acting up and pulling on my leg and, and wanting my attention um, and so uh, being present to our children is so essential in that role of fatherhood Tom you have older kids uh, and so you've you've lived the experience of raising kids and, and having them go off uh, talk about your experience of of the imitation, right? So there's there's good things that you did, but there were probably weaknesses that you had. And how do you see that all lived out? And and what can you take away from that and and offer to men listening now? Well, I think we talked a little bit about accepting our own our own vulnerability and our own weaknesses. And and as as a true father, you need to be open to your children. With that too, because you you have this relationship with them that if, if if based on honesty, then they can accept some of your your faults and your failures too. Because none of us are the perfect father; there is only one. Right. And uh, I think I've worked hard on that with my my three daughters to really open up to them about when I've when I've made mistakes and, and when I've failed. And and then um, and then when you you do succeed, it it's it's all the more richer to you. Uh, but my three daughters are, are away from home now and. Uh, there's always those moments that come back to you that find, they, they're still imitating you. That even seeds that you planted long ago that you didn't think bore, bore fruit are, are still bearing fruit. You know, that story of, remember the time, Dad, this happened, and now I'm going to respond this way t- to my children, or I'm going to call you for, or I, I'm going to call you for advice on things uh, because you did it this way, and now I'm going to do it that, that way. So you're not... At, in, in a role of a direct, uh, so direct as you were when when the kids were younger, but you're still present and and you're still 
seeing the fruit of the seeds you planted a long time ago. If you're just tuning in, we're visiting this morning with Jonathan Spade and Tom O'Keefe. They're part of the leadership team of the Maine for Greatness Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Fargo. I'm your host this morning, Brandon Clark, and you're listening to Real Presence Live. So I want to transition a little bit. We've kind of transitioned into fatherhood, and I want to just kind of continue to talk about that, but in the term, in in the in light of the men's retreat. So we were going to have a men's retreat coming up in July, but you know, COVID and stuff, and so we're we're pushing that back. Um, But I do want to talk about it because I think it is an important thing for men to be able to attend if they are able to. Um, and now that we we don't have dates yet, so we will release those dates, but but they could start thinking about it now if they're they're listening, that next summer we're, we're going to be looking to have this men's retreat. And I want to talk about the theme, right? So we're talking about fatherhood, and what does the father say to those on the mountain at the transfiguration? He says, listen to him. Jonathan, can you, can you talk about what that means? The father... The only true Father in heaven, right? The perfect Father, telling us to listen to Jesus. Yeah. Well, we, you know, since we've been talking about fatherhood and the importance of that role of fatherhood, and how we as children, uh, or how just you know, children in general, look up to that father figure in their life and learn so much from their father um, in terms of imitating, uh, you know. And I see that all the time. You know, it's, it's so funny, like to see how the character characteristics um, that I have, the way that I say something, the way that I do something, how that trickles down into my kids, right? It's really humbling uh, experience. And oftentimes when I'm frustrated by what they're doing, I just have to look in the mirror and say, well, you're the reason they're doing it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, um, God is ultimately our father. And so as as children, um, we need to look to God the father in order to learn what it really means to to be a man and what it means to to live life well. Uh, and the Father speaks to us and reveals himself to us in the person of Jesus, you know, and this is why Jesus says, you know, um, what what the Father is doing, I am doing. You know, he and the, uh, you know, the Father and I are one, right? There is this beautiful uh, revelation of the heart of the Father in Jesus Christ. And so when, when the Father, and, it, and uh, to point out too that, the Father, God the Father, only speaks twice in Scripture. Uh, the first time he speaks at Jesus' baptism, uh, where he says, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Uh, and then again at the transfiguration, where he says, listen to him, right? You are my beloved son, listen to him. And so, if these are if these are the only two times that God speaks in Scripture, God the Father speaks in Scripture, we should really listen to those times, you know? Uh, And so what is the Father saying? He's saying, look, everything you need to know, uh, I have revealed um, in Jesus. You're looking for a a father. You're looking for how to live. Um, Listen to Jesus. He will teach you everything you need to know, you know? Which takes us then back to discipleship, right? That that was the way that... uh that Jesus lived. He he shared the faith through that lived experience. So, Tom, um, this retreat, what are we looking at when, when we talk about this retreat? We've got uh, Father Neil Pfeiffer, who's who's going to be speaking. We've got Monsignor Schlesman. What will men experience uh, when they come out for this retreat? Well, I, th- I think some of it, the first part of it is, is fellowship. You know, we're called to, to live in communion, and we did have a leadership summit last last summer, and we've had the, the two men's retreats that we've had. And as we're called to live in communion, in community, we broaden our community beyond our own parish and allow us to establish relationships with with those those men and other men that we can imitate. 
th- throughout the diocese. Uh, but I think the, the 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 biggest thing that we'll get out of a retreat is that that deeper encounter with Christ. Because if we don't have that encounter with Christ first, then uh, we're not going to go far in, in our discipleship. If we can't truly love Him, uh, we're not going to be able to imitate Him. Um, so Monsignor is going to take us deeper into our prayer life. Um, Father Pfeiffer is going to take us deeper into our own life, uh, help us maybe look at some of those barriers that are keeping us from getting in the way of that true submission to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. How, how true is the statement, Jonathan, you, you can't give what you don't have? So like recognizing this this uh, idea that we need to know our identity and we need to know where our our struggles are so that we can allow Jesus to come in and overcome them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's very true. Uh, and I think that we, uh, yeah, I mean, we just have to, some, you know, we need to experience it. We can, we can talk about it and theorize about it and have all of this sort of high theology about what sonship means and what it means to have God as a father. But until we've actually experienced the fatherhood of God uh, in a real concrete and, and practical way, um, it, it's all that theology, all that, you know, ideologies, it's not going to help, you know, uh, and, and God is, he's a God of the real world. And so when we talk about God, the father, like he really is our father. And when we say that we're his sons, uh, we really are his sons. And as a son of the father, he desires to provide for us in in real and concrete and practical ways. And I think that's something that we need to experience. And, and, um, oftentimes I think we all have, but we maybe haven't really recognized it. Uh, and we haven't probably, uh, correctly attributed that, you know, that provision to the father. And so we, we just have to experience it, you know? Uh, and I think this retreat, uh, will be a great opportunity to, to step away from the busyness of our lives and encounter, um, the fatherhood of God in a real concrete, tangible way. Yep. So like I said, uh, as soon as we know the dates, we'll be sure to uh, bring them out to you guys who are listening, really encouraging you to to check it out. Uh, you can also visit the website fargodiocese.org slash MFG for further details as well. So um, thank you both for, for joining us this morning. Yeah, thank uh, you. Excited to talk about Made for Greatness. And I think it's a conversation we need to continue to have so that men realize what they are called to in, in fatherhood and in greatness and ultimately discipleship and following Jesus. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Most welcome. Up next, we're going to sit down with Bishop John Quinn of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. As you may know, or maybe you don't know, the Catholic Bishops of Minnesota released a plan for returning to Mass this uh, this coming weekend, not this coming weekend, sorry, the, the, the next weekend uh, for Pentecost, but then also Mass on Tuesday, May 26th. So uh, we'll talk with Bishop Quinn about that and the letter that was released, also sent to the Bishop, or, or sorry, the Governor of Minnesota, and stay with us on Real Presence Live as we continue right after this. Mm-hmm. 